0: Good morning, good morning. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to take them and turn with me to the Gospel of Mark. This morning, our text in its entirety will be found in verses 1 through 20. <clears throat> I love singing about that name, uh, Jesus. I love reading about that name. I love talking about that name. I have the privilege of preaching about that name. Matt, thank you for your heart in leading us this morning. Um, it is a delight always to be in God's house. Uh, last week we were we were not here. Uh, just a reminder, next week we will not be here. We'll be able to fellowship worship together with a very special Sunday that is planned, uh, Vision Sunday, 10 o'clock over at the... Um, I keep getting this wrong. Um, the Castania Fire Campground Place Picnic Ground, not here over there place. I am so sorry about that. <clears throat> it is snowing outside. Uh, Joshua, it is great to have you here. I am sorry about the snow. We we cannot control that. We tried to do all that we could to welcome you and God has snow in our forecast for the day. We're testing to see how hearty the uh, flowers that we planted yesterday are. My wife claims that they are hearty. We're going to test that. <laughs> um, let's go before the Lord in prayer and ask for his help and guidance um, as we learn. Father, we come before you and we are humbled And who you are, we are grateful and thankful for your word that you have given to us. And now you have allowed us to carve out for a few moments a time to hear from you. It says even in our text that we are to listen. And I pray, Lord, that that would happen, that you would clear our minds, you'd open up our hearts to hear from you. God, I need, um, in a desperate way, uh, your help communicate clearly, and I ask for that. We love you. We, we love the fact that you see us, that you know us, that you love us, and that you have rescued us. You've offered a means for our our life to be of such worth and value in Christ. We thank you for that. Bless our time now. We ask this in the strong name of our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. and Amen. <clears throat> Okay, here we go. It, it really I was thinking it really does not matter at this present moment what class you are taking, what corner of life you find yourself in, um, or what career uh, you find yourself in. Whether or not you are running um, your entire office, whether or not you're running your entire company, whether or not you are running after little toddlers in your own home, I want to remind you this morning that communication... And I would emphasize clear communication is key. It is of utmost importance. Uh, We have seen throughout the Gospel of Mark, up to this point, Mark is what? He does not waste words. Um, He is all about facts and people, places. It's conversations, it's conflicts, healings, miracles, messages. Mark moves what I call light and fast. But he tracks Jesus' ministry with amazing effect. All of us can listen and learn from Jesus how the master teacher communicates. This morning, we want to look not only at how Jesus communicates, but specifically what Jesus communicates. He always speaks with a message that matters, okay? A lot of what we say really doesn't matter. When Jesus speaks, it is what it is a word for our soul. Look around you, okay, what you can see and touch. None of it will last. None of it. Two things. The Word of God lives and endures forever and the souls of mankind. When Jesus speaks... He speaks to your soul. Jesus, the master communicator, uses different styles. We have seen in Matthew chapter 5, verses, excuse me, in in chapter 6 and 7, Matthew 5, 6 and 7, a a very well-ordered, clearly divided message, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, We see another place in John 13 through 16, where Jesus communicates with a wonderful, meaningful, deeply, personal discourse as he speaks to his disciples. Today we are introduced to another mode of communication, another form that Jesus uses, and it will be a common teaching tool throughout the ministry, and it's referred to as a parable. This is the first time that a parable is used in Mark's Gospel. We'll read it verses one through nine, and there's also, I think, because it's the first time, there's an intentional explanation uh, for this particular parable following verses ten through twenty. A parable comes from the Greek word parable. Okay, think of of para parallel, alongside of. If you have a parrot church ministry, it's a ministry alongside of the local church. A parable, okay literally means placing one thing alongside of another thing for comparison. Um, Jesus, in a sense, is saying, I'm giving you a spiritual truth, and to help you understand that spiritual truth, I'm going to put something alongside of it that compares. Now, if you were to look up the word parable in the dictionary, it would be defined as this, a story that illustrates a moral lesson we would say obviously that's correct, but I would say it's partially correct because there's more to it than that. What is the definition of a parable? And then you go, oh, oh, oh I know. It's the Sunday school answer, right? We all know it is what? It is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Uh, kind of, but it's more than that. If that were the case, this would simply make Jesus' parables somewhat equivalent to Aesop's fables. Parables are heavy. They're weighty. Sinclair Ferguson describes parables as mirrors. As a mirror. Think of it like this. A parable reflects the principles of the kingdom of God and consequently allows us to see our lives in light of that. Every time we read a parable, we listen to a parable being preached, ask the question, where do I stand personally? Where's my soul in relation to the kingdom of God? They show us our own heart in light of God's Word. Remember, all Scripture is, is always applicable in some way. But when you see a parable, understand that Jesus usually uses them almost always uses them when He's speaking to outsiders. Jesus used parables as a means to communicate a mirror to the Word of God to those who are unbelievers. And in fact, later we see in verse 34 of Mark chapter 4, He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to His own disciples He explained everything. Jesus did this so they could see themselves Through the what? Through the mirror of God's Word. Here it is. Pick it up with me. Mark chapter 4, our text. We're actually going to read, just for the sake of time, the first nine verses. Excuse me, the parable itself. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and he sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And his teaching he said to them, I love this part, listen, listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30 fold and 60 fold and a hundredfold and he said he who has ears to hear let him hear there's actually a lot of question surrounding this parable and perhaps even your understanding of it in the past here we go we look at this that the crowds were huge and, and and the individuals had really never seen or heard anything like Jesus before. There had been miracles and healings, and, and demons were terrified of the very presence and word of Jesus. Jesus was getting to be a really, really big deal. But most people who followed him were simply there to be exploitive. It was a superficial kind of surface interest. The crowds were following kind of like, so what is, what is the miracle man going to do next? So Jesus is going to take this time to teach, and he addresses the large crowds. But in the large crowd, they're mostly unbelievers. They're outsiders. Amongst them, there are a few followers of Jesus. Interesting, very much like today. A lot of people claim to be following Jesus, but in that large crowd there's actually a few who are truly following Jesus. That's what this parable is speaking about. Now remember, first century, okay, Middle Eastern culture, it's an agrarian culture. <clears throat> so words and terms like farming and tilling and planting and sowing and reaping was were, were words and language that everyone understood. Most people grew, sustenance farming, grew their own food. There's no wise to run to or no wagmans to run to if you run out of something. So people got this language. You and I today, we have to work a little bit to get this language, but you don't have to be farmer Clem, okay, to figure it out. It's still pretty basic. There's an important foundational parable, and there's certain things immediately that are explained. The seed, the reference to the seed that is sown is what? It is the Word of God. Clear explanation. The message of the kingdom of God. The seed is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The soils, understand, represent the different conditions of people's souls or our hearts. Those that hear the Word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, Respond in one of four ways. I want you to think about this. Every person that has ever walked the face of the earth, for all history, every person responds one of these four ways. There's not three ways to respond. There's not five ways. There's four ways, four categories. Number one, some people respond with immediate unbelief. Some people respond with immediate unbelief. I actually think I can feel it. I remember standing on a porch with a man who slammed the the screen door literally so much so that the screen touched my nose as he slammed his inside. I want nothing to do with it. I remember standing on the porch and I'm like, well, I, I guess I leave now. Some people respond with immediate unbelief. It says this in verse 4, Some seed fell along the path, and birds came and devoured it. Verse 15, Jesus offers in his, in, in his personal explanation to the disciples, he, he explains this, that Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that was sown. Think about this setting for a moment. Uh, back in that particular time, in that uh, region, th- there were not, fields were not fenced. Okay, Pennsylvania, everyone's got fenced. You don't cross someone else's fence line, okay? That was not the condition here. Oftentimes, fields were, were cut out of the side of a hill. It was terraced farming. And so it was interesting, in order to get up the hill, you had a path it would kind of zigzag in order to get to the top of the hill. And a sower, sowing his seed, would occasionally miss the field. So much so that a little bit of the seed would fall onto a path. And it was easy pickings. Birds would what? In a sense, birds think about this. Why are birds hanging around paths? Any good bird hunter knows in a sense, birds eat little bits of gravel, don't they, in order to digest. And so what happens is that it's kind of, for a bird, it's like free food, and I get my rocks on top of that in order to take care, take care of the food. It's like a two-for-one special. Buy one, get one. The birds know what's happening here. Understand this. Um, uh, Luke's Gospel actually has a little bit more detail. that That, what, that which was not eaten by the birds was crushed underfoot. Okay in either case in either case the seeds are gone and the seeds are gone immediately so much so that the word does not even take root these are people that hear the glorious gospel the good news of Jesus Christ and they simply are not believing it they are ignoring it altogether we would use the phrase it's like water off a duck's back immediate Rejection Their minds are full Their schedules are too busy They don't have time for it Their wallets are stuffed And there's other things There's many things There's anything In their life that is more important than this And Satan will actually convince them That that you don't need that And he steals the word He he takes the seeds of the word away. Understand that in this first category, this is a majority of the people who hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we know that Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, that the gate is wide and the way is easy. That leads to destruction. Listen to this. And those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Category one, some people respond with immediate unbelief, and that's most of the people who hear the gospel. Category number two, some people respond with joy, but no repentance. People respond with joy, but no repentance. Excuse me, it says... Excuse me. Goodness gracious, it's the snow. Number two, some people respond with joy but no repentance. In verses five and six, other fell on rocky grounds where it did not have much soil. It immediately sprang up. It says, when the sun rose, it was scorched. Since it had no root, it withered away. The key here is the phrase, the little phrase, two words. No root. If you've ever traveled um, in the Middle East, if it's not a desert, which is a lot of it, it is hilly, rocky, craggy landscape. Seeds hit soil, okay? And, And immediately there is some growth that takes place. But the soil layer is thin. Not a whole lot can happen. Now, these are people who hear the Word. It actually says in verse 16 that they receive it with joy. It's kind of like people who are introduced to the redemptive knowledge that is offered through the Lord Jesus Christ, and they are excited about it. The message fills them with joy. But, but understand that it's more than, wow, it's so neat to be together, and you sing songs together, and we get free coffee and donuts. It's more than that. Understand this and hear me on this. A response with joy, apart from the sorrow and the shame of our own sin, is not salvation. Understand that. So it cannot be. A response with joy, apart from the sorrow and the shame of our own sin, our own sinfulness. It is not, and it cannot be salvation. I had the amazing privilege on Thursday night, sitting in my office with several of the people um, getting baptized. There's five or six, seven... Pray for Stuart Red K. He's, he's not feeling well. He's scheduled to be baptized. And he said, I don't know if I'm going to be up for it. He's really, really sick. But anyway, pray for him. I said, I'm praying for a miracle. <clears throat> I was sitting in my office listening to the testimonies of, of people who desire um, to be baptized. Well, and, and I asked why. And, and each one, separate separate kind of journeys, but but each of the four made almost the exact same statements as they kind of told their story of how God rescued them. Each one made this phrase, said this phrase. They said, I came to a place where I hated the sin that I was doing, the sin that I was living in. No No one scripted this. Four different people, four different journeys, four different stories, and the same phrase. I got to a place... I just hate it. How I was trapped and ensnared. And so that, that's what we're talking about when we think about true repentance and salvation. Back to this parable. If there is no sincere grief, if there is no repentance, I would even say if there's no sickness that you feel as a result of your own sin, it is only A surface, superficial reaction. And underneath, what? Remains that same hard, rocky soil. That same hard heart. I read one commentator, he called it the substratum of our hearts. What is that? It's bedrock. It doesn't matter if you are tilling fields in order to plant seeds, or whether or not you're drilling a well, in order to get water. If you hit rock, what? There is nothing happening. There is nothing happening. That is, in a sense, the prideful, arrogant, hardened heart that refuses to repent, that causes people, when they are confronted with the full impact of the Gospel, although they receive it with joy, I'm so excited about this message, but it stops there i actually is explained further in verse, verse 17, when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the Word, immediately they fall away. Realize that when you choose to follow Jesus, it's going to be hard. That, that it, actually, it actually says you'll face trouble on account of the Word. It doesn't mean that you're going to face trouble just because of your own stupid... Sinfulness. We face trouble because of our own decisions all the time. The, the Word is saying you face trouble on account of the Word, which means you're going to live according to biblical principle. I'm going to follow Jesus. You will suffer as a result of it. It will hurt in some way. People say, I'm out. That's it. A little bit, little bit of growth. I'm out. Repentance from sin allows the roots of the Gospel to go deep. And that that allows us to grasp the the grace that is offered in Christ and through Christ. Some people respond with immediate unbelief. Some people respond with joy but no repentance. Thirdly, some people respond with repentance but it is not sincere. Some people respond with repentance but it is not sincere. Number three. What does it say in verse 7? It says, other seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it out Jesus adds greater explanation in verse 19 that the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful now, I want you to, to notice, very important, that the seed falls on good soil. And it, what happens? The seed falls and it grows. And it's going well. It's soil that is that is rich, moist, nutritious. And, and the sun shines and the rain comes and it all looks so good. Perfect. It all looks so pretty. And what happens with the seed? It, it, it bursts open and there is growth. There's life. It's alive. It's tiny at first, but it grows and it even blossoms. It is an exciting new life. Someone is saying, I want to be transformed. I want to follow. One is Repentance perhaps they shed tears as a result of their own sinfulness perhaps they they even get baptized perhaps they even join a local church but then but then what happens is that something something takes place and all of a sudden it's like hey hey how come I don't see them in our home group anymore? They, they used to come to our home group. I, I I I used to be able to call them and they would show up for prayer times and we could pray together and we were talking about God's word. How come they're not there any longer? They used to serve. They they, they used to be here to worship and to fellowship regularly, but it stopped. It just it all stopped. Wow you talk to the person and, and say, well we've lost connection what and, and you inevitably you inevitably you hear you hear I have heard it hundreds and hundreds of times. life life just got too busy. I heard it yesterday talking with someone uh, the kids' schedule. yeah, you would not believe. How, how busy and demanding the, the kid's schedule is right now. Or work. Well, I'm at a really, really delicate place in the business. Work is just too important. Career. If, if I don't focus here, we're going to lose it all. What does what it? It, it, it say? We read it in verse nine, that the cares of the world. And the, and it's interesting that it specifically mentioned one area, the deceitfulness of Riches. Money. And the desire for other things. Read it. See it. God Himself, God incarnate, comes in and says, Listen to this. you got ears. You hear this. They enter and, and, and what? The weeds choke out the Word. It speaks of a false repentance because they simply cannot turn away from the noise and the distractions and frankly the sins of this world. Oftentimes it's surrounded around the subject of money. Just we we just don't if if I don't work on Sunday morning then we're just not going to make it. Let me let me remind you in a couple chapters we'll actually pause on this in Mark chapter 10. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And this is, this is literally speaking than it is for a rich man or a rich woman to get into heaven. James chapter 4, in, in verse 4, it says that if you want to be a friend of this world, this is strong language, then you will be an enemy of God. Okay, you can't, you cannot walk both sides of the fence. Not here, not from what we see in the truth of Scripture. It just got too busy, and, and I was really, I really want to be there. I love what you guys are doing as a church, making a great impact in the community. I'm just, I'm just too. Does does, does that, does that describe you? Do, do you know people that used to be here? They, they used to sit in, in the and now we don't see them any longer. Understand this makes sense. Do you realize that all three of these first soils, all three represent hearts and people that are not saved. They are not safe. Now, now does it? Does it mean that they cannot turn? <laughs> no, there is always, there's always an opportunity. But, but a lot of people wrestle and struggle with it. You're telling me that three out of four soils, I'm telling you three out of four soils, these people are not saved. Fourth thing, finally, what happens? Notice some people respond. The, the last one, make very, very, make very certain that you hear this word, few few people respond with joy and sincere repentance. Let me me begin with this. The church of Jesus Christ, the church of Jesus Christ is much smaller than you and I think. The true church of Jesus Christ is much smaller than you and I think. And and we'll see it in Scripture. Look at this. It says in verse 8, other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing yielding 30 fold 60 fold 100 folds here it is here's here's the seed that takes root what happens is that there's work we know that there's weeding that takes place there's cultivating and plowing that takes place all of it, all of it is done with what? A view of the harvest. It is what it is the kingdom of God. It's not here and now where our focus is on the harvest. And this this moves beyond the blossoming. Remember the the, the third one? It blossomed. There was even a pretty flower. You can't eat the flower. You just look at the flower, it looks good. This moves beyond the blossoming into the point that fruit is produced. And let me emphasize this there is lots of fruit that is produced. There's bushels and bushels and bushels, oftentimes exceeding expectations. You realize that true followers, their lives become an absolute blessing into what? And for other people's lives. I was Hackman be proud of me. I was doing my little research on, on corn kernels yesterday and I was reading that. One one little seed, one little kernel of corn, if everything goes well, produces do you realize six hundred kernels on average. Heckmans produce a little bit more than that. But on average, one seed kernel produces six hundred hundreds you see the difference with this last category is that fruit is produced in Matthew Jesus is teaching about the danger of false teachers and and he says this in, in Matthew chapter 7 verse 16 that you will actually recognize them by their fruits when 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 you walk towards someone and someone says I am so glad to have my brother walking towards me That's fruit. That's a blessing. You are what? You are adding to. Galatians chapter 5 talks about the fruits of the Spirit. Love is present when I spend time with my brother. Joy is present. Peace exists. They rest well at night because the Holy Spirit is in control. They're surrendering to the Word of God and their life is exploding in impact. Do you realize why God, I believe, is choosing to bless this little church right here in this little community. Because many of you are faithful and you're producing fruit. You bring other people, you talk to other people. And, and it's evident, it's evident all over the place. So, how how do we how do we become this good soil? Hear me on this. Understand only by the grace of of God as our hearts are ploughed and prepared to receive his word and allow the power that exists in this word's literally to counteract the sin of our lives so so much so that all of your all of your wants all of your wishes all of your aspirations and goals and desires all of it becomes second So what does Jesus teach in in Matthew chapter 6? Seek first the kingdom of God. That's why I exist. That's why I breathe. That's that's why we are here. To seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Understand it in closing. There are only four ways to respond to the Word of God. Which category does your response belong to? Which of which these four categories? This is the question, this parable. Remember, it is a mirror. You ask yourself, how does my life respond in reflection to the Word of God? That's what this, this, this question of this parable is designed for you to ask. May you allow your hearts... To be, in a sense, saturated by the grace of God. Allowing the seed of the Word to take root and produce fruit. Lots of it for His glory. God, we love You. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You, Lord, that You patiently took the time to teach us. I would pray, Lord, that we would listen and apply. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.